You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Everybody, hello and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie. Thanks for being here. And today, let's talk about what we're going to talk about. As you remember, when I first started teaching, there was a guy who went through the list of things you're supposed to do. He said, tell them what you're going to tell them tell them, and then tell them what you told them. So here is the preview. We'll get into the meat and taters of the situation, and then we'll review a little bit about what we talked about. But today, we're going to talk about fitness entrepreneurship. We're going to talk about what it's like becoming an entrepreneur in the fitness space. What are some of the opportunities that are out there? Some of the things that you may have never thought about. And one of those... um, things that you haven't thought about was something that my cousin did. And so today on the podcast, I have my cousin, Travis Ritchie. And I know you're thinking this is a big family business for the Ritchie family. I've, I've had Brian Ritchie on, uh, my cousin, and I had another cousin on coming on now, Travis. So uh, the, the Ritchie crew is taking over the fitness industry. So what's up, cuz? How you doing, man? I'm fantastic, man. How are you? I am living the dream. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, I want you to just tell our audience a little bit about yourself. What's your background and what are some of the things that you do in the fitness industry? So that way we can start digging into those things and find out um, and share the story of entrepreneurship with some of the stuff that you're doing. And then we'll just chat about it. Love it. Appreciate the opportunity. Yeah. Um, I, I got, I got bit by the bug when I was in college, the fitness bug. And, uh, I was down at the university of Miami and beautiful place, beautiful people. Everybody was in shape, is still in shape. If you've ever been to Miami, it's kind Hold of, on, let me just jump in here for a second. Cause I used to manage a, a gym in South beach. And I remember I was having breakfast with a friend of mine and her dad and her dad's watching people walk by, just walking by as we're sitting outside eating. And he looks at us and he goes, this is the land of gratuitous fitness. It's very true. <laughs> right? <laughs> very true. Very true. I think at one point they had like more boutique studios, you know, per square mile per capita than like any zip code on the planet. That would not surprise me. And you can do anything there in Miami, right? I mean, they're... They've got the goat yoga. They've got the rooftop yoga. <laughs> <laughs> They've got the yacht yoga. I mean, oh man, they they figured out yoga in any and every variety that they could do. It's so so absolutely true. But you're totally right. I mean, the land of beautiful people and opportunity down there in South Beach. And so, um, you know, I was actually going to school for finance uh, to get my MBA degree and got bit by the fitness bug my my dad as a matter of fact we always had fitness growing up in the family um my father was actually a, a bodybuilder and a competitor and so growing up we always had a gym in our garage and you know he was always working out and would always take you to the 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 old school lifting spots like the world gyms and, oh yeah you know the the good the, the the old school gyms you know where there was no key card you just knew the guy at the front desk who you know owned the building for the last 30 years right 
Yeah. Sometimes you have to bring a can of WD-40 just so you can <laughs> slide those machines. Get a lift so in. true. Yeah. And you, and you didn't wear gloves because it was for calluses. It was for other reasons. <laughs> right. That is right. Oh, man. Old school for sure. So true. So, yeah, it was kind of, you know, ingrained in us at a young age. You know, we were always active and you know, dad was always in the garage. And and so, you know, being in South Beach and, and having to blow off some steam, you know, you found yourself in the fitness industry. And and ironically, um, that that MBA degree put me directly into the fitness industry. Um, so while I was going to school, uh, kind of cut my teeth a little bit, had the opportunity to work for, for some amazing uh, chains. Uh, spent some time in South Beach with David Barton, um, who's a legend, absolute legend. 15th Street. I know, mm-hmm. I know 15th or 14th. Yeah, I remember that spot, the yeah. Delano Hotel. Yes, exactly. Exact. That guy, boy, interesting, interesting individual. Good stuff, wow. great products. But so kind of cut my teeth there and, and learned the ropes. Um, and then once, you know, once school was over, went and uh, spent time in, in in the hedge fund world, um, but in the mergers and acquisitions space in the fitness industry. So we were primarily responsible for underwriting fitness opportunities around the globe. Um, a lot of franchise fitness opportunities, a lot of mom and pop opportunities where we would come in and we would look at the balance sheet, look at the financials and see if it was a good opportunity or a good fit for our investors. And I spent uh, almost eight years uh, doing that. Wow. Wow. So you're, you're looking at the books. You've got mm-hmm. a background, uh, you got an MBA background in some finance, working with hedge funds, looking at books to see if all of these really fancy things, these boutiques are, are ready to make the jump into franchise. Is that really what was looking at? Or are they are looking at being potentially purchased and checking the value of these, um, these particular um, boutique fitness uh, concepts? All the above, all okay. the above. And so we, so we had a fund that dealt primarily with the acquisition um, of smaller boutiques, smaller funds that smaller boutique fitness studios that were looking to be acquired. What we found typically, and we can dive into this a little bit deeper, hopefully it helps those that are listening. What we typically found is, you know, a, a fantastic personal trainer oftentimes is not the greatest of gym owners. Oh, <laughs> you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> Precisely. So, you know, there was, there was this, and, and there still is, it's not was, it's the way the fitness industry sometimes rolls, you know, yeah. you, the Barry's boot camp of the world is a, is a few and far between story where a guy like Joey starts out as a trainer and becomes the CEO. But what typically happens as you're well aware, as the listeners are as well is, you know, a, a great personal trainer will, will build a great book of business and then establish his or her own brick and mortar in some capacity. And when that one goes great, you know, a lot of those clients refer other clients and, you know, that could be in a neighboring city or town. And, and you could think to yourself, boy, if this worked here, you know, this could work anywhere. So I should duplicate this idea several times over. Um, And so you maybe build a second location or a third, but as you quickly find out, 
running the day-to-day business as a personal trainer is far different than running it as a gym owner. And so, right, so with this, let me interrupt just for a no, moment, please. moment, Travis. And again, for people that are listening, this is Travis Ritchie, my cousin, and he is a fitness industry entrepreneur, and he does some really amazing things within the fitness industry, including working with the incarcerated population, which we are going to talk about soon. But I want to stay on this particular vein. We're talking about the, the fitness professional who is transitioning, who has shifted into an owner operator. And I want to, uh, and you're familiar with this book, I'm sure, but I want to direct anybody that is a fitness professional that's thinking about opening their own facility to buy the book and read it multiple times, <laughs> The E-Myth Mastery. And the e-myth is not the electronic myth, which is why I didn't read it for so long. I was like, that has nothing to do with what I'm doing. I don't need this like an e-book. It's an e-myth. No, e stands for entrepreneur. And it is the myth of entrepreneurship that if you are a really good technician, then you will be a really good business owner. And one of the examples of this would be a personal trainer is the technician that works at doing a specific job within the gym and looks at their boss and says, I'm a better trainer than that guy. I'm a good trainer. I could run a training gym or I can run a fitness facility. And they look at that and they say, because I'm good at training, I'm going to be great at running a gym. This whole book, is about absolutely destroying that concept. Doesn't mean you can't be a good business owner, so please don't think that either. But if you think just because you're a good trainer or you're a good Group X instructor, then you will be good at running a business, check this book out. It is vital for you to read. All right, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 don't be sorry. I, I, I think it's well-placed. Yeah, good. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it's well placed because you're absolutely right. It, it, I mean, I saw it for 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 many many years. I still do to this day. You do, yeah. you know, awesome trainers. They get the bug. They build a book. You know, they they might even rent a space locally, um, and and could even expand and and have good credit and a little bit of capital and open up their own space and do very well. And you know, our our natural tendency is to continue to grow. And unfortunately, sometimes we bite off a little bit more than we can chew in that regard. And that's where, like you said, the, the technician um, is why you're great. Running the, running the particular business, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times we went to evaluate a business and they couldn't tell you, you know, what a general estimate of expenses would be on any given quarter. So, right. um, you know, they're, they're a, a great trainer is, is is fantastic and is much needed um but the running and the operations and the day-to-day the billing the scheduling the cancellations the paperwork the taxes mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. uncle sam uh both your uncle and my uncle yeah that's right and everybody else was not <laughs> he's definitely coming for his piece of that pie yeah and you know what like it really gets into some of the things too where we don't think about that i was gobsmacked with was if you have employees and now you're you have to think about those expenses but employees also require that you pay 
their, some of their taxes or at least some of their social security. Yeah. But you also have to get insurance and you have to get workers comp. And there was a moment where the workers comp board, some reason did not know that we had workers compensation. Mm. So I get a little uh, correspondence in the mail with a $5,000 fine for not having coverage for less than one quarter. So, and and we ended up being able to prove that we did have insurance. I don't know why they didn't have it um, listed, but we were able to bypass that. But I was thinking, I didn't even know this was required. And fortunately I had a good agent or a good insurance broker who just gave me a list of things and I'm sitting there going, that can't be true. I can't more. I have to wait, wait, wait. More, more. And there are like three or four required things that if you have one employee, yeah. that you have to pay on. So yeah. now you're sitting there going, all right, well, rent is expensive. Yes. We know that build out's expensive. Very all CapEx stuff, like CapEx stuff for build out, but then you have the operating expenses, which include the insurances, the insurance on the facility, the insurance yes. on the employees, the employees themselves, the the rent, the daily rent, the utilities, the platforms that you use to accept money and booking and payments and all of that <laughs> stuff. And then let's not forget how expensive it is to do laundry. Yes. I had no idea until I opened my own business. And I was like, how much do we spend every month on washing towels? Yeah. Mind blown. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, and when you're opening that facility, right? You're, you're the trainer. You probably went through this or know people that have. You think to yourself, I want to add all the amenities. This oh, is yeah. why people are coming here. That's right. That's right. Everybody gets a towel. Right. <laughs> and then you realize why people have the, like some of those facilities have towels and they almost feel like a loofah. Yeah. They just, they just yeah. they're not comfortable to even wiping your brow. Yeah. And you realize why are they so small and why are they so cheap? And it's not because the expense of the towel itself it's that the thicker it is, the more quality it is, the more water it retains, the less you can fit inside of a machine, which means the more laundry cost yeah. ongoing. So I remember a company I used to work for, one of the biggest complaints that they had were about the towels. And so they did a diagnostic that said it would cost X amount of millions of dollars to replace the towels throughout all the facilities. Oh no. If they did the diagnostic and they ran the numbers on the laundry, the annual laundry would cost so much more in replacing the towels that they kept the towels by saying that by virtue of even losing membership by keeping these towels, we'd still make more money. I believe that. I I mean, so many things you don't think about. I believe it. I believe it. No, and you're right. It's even back to the the initial point of the employees, if you're lucky enough to get to towels, you know, give yourself a high five right now. <laughs> but, right. You know, we, we always said, you know, if you hired an employee for $15 an hour as a round number, that they really were going to cost you 22 or $23 an hour. That's right. That's right. Just as a round number with, you know, everything that you mentioned before, the taxes and the insurance and the workers comp and the, the time off and, just the general necessities that come with an employee employer relationship. So, but no, you're right, man. The, the e-myth is, is spot on for most people. And it's not to, you know, 
let, let Rick and I be super clear. Our goal here is, is to make sure you want to be an entrepreneur and, and, and we help you in that, in that, yeah. uh, but we want to make sure that those expectations are super clear. It's, it's a grind, it's arduous. And when the alarm goes off at two 30 in the morning on a Friday night, it's your cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. As much as you want to push that off on somebody else, it's so, it, it's just not possible so many times and you got to take responsibility for that. And there are, there are things put in place for safety. And then I know that there were things early on that I did not do because I was like, Oh, I didn't think about that. And then you start, just being in the business more and trying to learn about business as you become a business owner yeah. and you learn about legal issues and, and there were little things that I didn't think about that I was like, it's strange that I can build this business and not do one thing. And that one thing lead to maybe one injury and that one injury leading to the downfall of everything I work so hard to build. Yeah. So being aware of, some of those um, safety issues, the legal issues, the things that we really need to, as a business owner, spend more time focusing on because the legalities are the ones that you're going to get wrapped up in. Anybody, you can produce a great product, that's right, but mm -hmm. you have to be, you know, everything, I's are dotted, T's are crossed, and being very focused on protecting your assets. Yeah, hyper-focused indeed. It's the, it's the old adage, you know, uh, death by a thousand cuts, but... Yeah. I, I prefer to, to frame it a little bit differently for folks. It's, it's elephants don't bite for me. You know, hmm. there, there's, there's never been a time in your life or my life or, or any of our family's lives where they've been kept up at night from an elephant bite. But we have all been annoyed at, at a mosquito bite oh. on the calf, you know, that, that that itching that scratching you've xed it you can't find the calamine lotion you're frustrated whatever it might be but that's the old adage to what you're saying is yeah you know, and that bug's still floating around in your house because you can't find it as so, soon as you see it and swat at it if you miss it you will right, never see it again right Just, it, it's definitely gonna bite your wife and that's gonna be your fault that's it <laughs> <laughs> and that's exactly what happens in my house. So true. It's so very true. Now, tell us about some of the businesses that you have. What are what are you what are you dipping into right now? What are some of your focuses? Um, I, I think at this point we should also talk about the industry itself. Um, as you know, uh, we hope that COVID is on its way down yeah. and. Uh, quote normalcy is on its way up and maybe what the new normal looks like, what it might look like for us. But let's just get your, uh, you know, what, what your finger is on the pulse of right now. And what are your thoughts around the, the great comeback that we hope to all see? Uh, and then we'll get into the, the work that you do with the incarcerated populations. Boy, we all hope it's a comeback, don't we? Yeah. What I'm seeing um, in, in our studios and as I travel around the country I'm definitely seeing a surge. Um, I've seen it in Florida. I've seen it in Idaho. I've seen it in Arizona, um, even in Southern California, um, definitely in Texas, which I think goes without saying. Um, yeah. But I'm definitely seeing people come back to their favorite watering holes. And that's what we're really hoping for, right? Is yeah. you know, people come back to a routine, a quote unquote normalcy. Um, 
that's what we're hoping for. We're all hoping and praying for that, that it does come back. But what I'm, what I, what I'm thinking, right. Is, is my kind of two cents during this pandemic, what I'm, what I'm seeing when I'm talking to, you know, a lot of these industry leaders that, that, you know, and I know the emphasis that this point I think is going to be on service. Um, I think with so many things that are unknown out there, um, what happens if I do contract the virus? What happens if my employer does shut down? What happens if I can't find daycare? You know, what? on and on and on, not to add any anxiety to anybody's plate who's listening to this. But when you go back to your fitness routine, you really want it to be a, a positive place, right? Positive <clears throat> mental sphere. And so I believe that at that point, service is going to really dominate. And in that regard, I think... Um, the boutique sector, you know, the independent facilities are really, really going to see some positive uptick. Um, when you're really looking to connect with folks, that's what I think people are going to go back to. Nice. Nice. Thank you so much. We're, we've got Travis Ritchie here. And Travis Ritchie is a fitness entrepreneur, and he's been working in the fitness industry for quite some time. In, in the aspect of business, so he got his MBA from University of Miami, um, and he's, unlike many of the people that we have on who started in the fitness industry and maybe do research within the fitness industry, uh, Travis started in business and, and, and based all of his movement within the fitness industry through the lens of a business person as, as an entrepreneur. And so it's good to hear you talk about what the potential comeback looks like and how comfortable that makes me feel as a business owner here in New York City. Um, but I also want to talk about a little bit more about what you're doing specifically. So tell us about some of the, the pots that you have your hands in and, and how you are working within the fitness industry right now. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I, have a, I have a belief that recovery in conjunction with fitness is going to be on a top of mind for a lot of people. Yeah. And um, recovery comes in a couple of different ways, uh, depending on who you're speaking with. Some people are looking for a, a meditation, you know, a yoga, Pilates, you know, some sort of what we term mindfulness. Yeah. Um, and then other people are looking for more of a physical uh, rehabilitation, uh, infrared sauna, cryotherapy. Um, I, I'm sure you're like most of us, you can't turn on Instagram without seeing somebody in a cold plunge. Right. <laughs> so right. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. Um, and, and myself included, uh, guilty as charged and, and love it. Um, so what, what I believe and what I put my money in and, and where my brick and mortars are at the moment and will continue to grow is in the boutique fitness space where we're a premium landlord. We come in and we, we look at fitness opportunities where we will open a building and build it out so that we can have uh, certified personal trainers under our roof who are independent and run their own business. Um, we also have massage therapists. We also have uh, chiropractors. Um, and we also have um, hormone physicians, uh, actual doctors. Um, and if the space is big enough, we will do a nutrition component like a cafe. So the premium model there is that, you know, an individual who, you know, wants to spend three or four or five days a week with a trainer one-on-one -on -one will be able to kind of move inside the facility as needed. You know, if they're coming in 
um, from a rehabilitative standpoint on an ACL or an MCL or, you know, L4, L5, S1, uh, you know, a, a shoulder, whatever it might be, that in that facility that they kind of have all of the nutrients needed um, to heal them. And, and so that's what we've got our hands in where we believe the, the next evolution of that space is, is, is with the rehabilitative part, um, the recovery component, as you hear a lot of people say. Um, and, and we believe in that heavily. So our facilities have the, the compression technology, the compression boots, um, the, the compression massage guns, the infrared saunas, the cryotherapy chambers, the cold plunges. And so our goal is that if you are a trainer looking um, in any one of our cities to come and, and train your book of business, that there's no facility out there that offers more amenities than what we do. And what I mean by that is not just a simple towel. What I mean by that is oftentimes, and you know this far better than I do, oftentimes when you have a client who comes in, they're just not feeling it. You can tell. You just don't click. Yeah. Right? And there's just a, a real power in the ability for a trainer to say, you know what? I'm, I'm noticing that something's off here today. I don't need to push this session any harder than, than your body can take it. Let's spend the next 15 or 20, but whatever, whatever time we have left, okay. let's spend this time together. Let's, let's go roll. Let's go massage. You know, let's go and, and, and we'll end with some cryotherapy, you know, boost the endorphins, add the oxygenated blood and leave that person with an experience where they've been uplifted physically, emotionally, mentally yeah. instead of broken down. Nice. Good. Well said and well fed, feeding the body what it needs, the nutrients that it needs, the work that it needs. This is Travis Ritchie, and he is a fitness industry entrepreneur. Go ahead and tell the what's the name of the the, the locations, because we do have trainers that are high quality trainers that are NASM certified that may be looking for work. So uh, what's the name of the facility, if you don't mind sharing? No, no, don't mind at all. If anybody's looking, looking to come to us, we're New Era Fitness. Um, and, and you can reach out to me, however you find me, Instagram, Facebook, social media, website, uh, would be more than happy to take on trainers that are, are serious about their craft and are looking for a place, uh, long-term home. Fantastic. So with that being said, now I want to get into this last portion that I've been plugging from the beginning. <laughs> and it's the work that you do with the incarcerated populations. And I'm going to preface this by a story. And the story was when I was in my first semester, maybe second semester of my doctoral program, I, I learned a little bit about the incarcerated populations by doing some work and finding these education courses that were offered or not education courses necessarily, but um, these working courses where they go and they do carpentry, right? And that was a main one where they go and they do carpentry and they get paid, I mean, pennies on the dollar kind of stuff. And, and there was a lot of uh, saber rattling for a while saying that it's, you know, slave wages and things like that. But what I find really interesting is that there was a really long wait list for those that were incarcerated to get these things because it gave them something to do. Mm -hmm. It provided them with um, a skill that maybe they never had before. And it gave them hope that if they were some of the ones who were going to leave 
um, the prison systems, that they would have a new skill set and the ability to work as soon as they got out doing things like carpentry or whatever these particular programs were. And the people who enrolled in those programs, they, they had a stark difference, a decrease in recidivism. And for those who don't know, it's a big word, meaning um, going back to prison once you leave prison. So a stark decrease in the recidivism rate for people who went through those programs. So that became like a big deal to me. And I, I read it and I studied it as a personal study as part of a school program for one week. And it was significant. I wrote a paper on it. And um, anyway, this is something that you do. And, and this is a big part of, of what you do and how you provide service and give back. So tell me more about how you got into it and what you do with these, uh, these folks. Yeah. You, I mean, you nailed it. You absolutely nailed it. When, you know, when you attach a purpose to any human on, on the planet, whether they're on this side of the fence or that side of the fence, you know, the ability to change a mindset um, and change the course of someone's life is is really, really what we're trying to do. Um, I have a, a nonprofit called Accomplished Ventures, and the ED is capitalized, and and that's because the education component, where um, Accomplished Ventures takes uh, educational curriculum, employment opportunities, job skills, and just general hard life skills, and we go into the prison system, and we take those opportunities to use our skills and teach these guys and girls inside a new skill that they can put to use when they're when they're released and we have found that more often than not um, entrepreneurship and fitness are in the top three if not top five of every category of every state of every jail of every prison that we go to most of these people realize that you can make a, a good living in fitness, that you have a service-oriented opportunity, and that if you give people an, an honest rate and a fantastic experience, that you can really build yourself something magical after you've been released. So the, the chasm there with the recidivism is just the know-how. And so it's been our opportunity for the last eight years to go inside and teach an entrepreneur <laughs> training course um, and, a, and a business from the box course. The, the entrepreneur and training course is really more of a development course of, you know, what does it take to be an entrepreneur? Is this really a buzzword that you may have heard of that you're excited about? Or is this really something that you're, you're destined to do? Um, and, and the business from the box course, pun intended. Um, yeah. <laughs> and they love it. Um, and, and, and that course is intended to walk you through the granular stuff that, uh, that, you know, guys like you and I frankly take for granted, such as how do I file an LLC and, and what the heck is an LLC? Um, a lot of us know what it is. Very few of us know what the acronym stands for, how to file it, where to file it, who to pay to file it, um, an, an EIN number, uh, tax employer mm -hmm. identification number. So the real granular metrics of, of running a business in the fitness space or any business at all, and so we, we take our courses inside to prisons around the country and we teach these guys start to finish how to build their business. And we, we, our goal is to connect them with successful 
fitness entrepreneurs that once they're released, they can have a mentor in the space. Um, whether that's an individual at LA Fitness who is a personal trainer or a regional manager or vice president um, or is a, a, a boutique fitness owner him, himself or herself, um, or is just a personal trainer getting started that is in the same community as the individual who just got released. So we try to build a mentorship program around it so that even though they have the tools uh, to succeed, a lot of times, I'm a visual learner myself, a lot of times, you know, you can learn a lot hands-on when you spend a little bit of time with somebody who's doing exactly what you want to do. Yeah, I've got a question for you because yeah. this is a big deal for me. So again, we're talking with Travis Ritchie, who's a fitness industry entrepreneur and the owner of Accomplished Ventures, which uh, accomplished capital ED at the end for education, has developed a company where he goes in and does education for the incarcerated. And my question here, and I know within the fitness industry, there might be a touch more leeway but my concern, and you have this concern as well, I am sure, but you may know companies who are better equipped to handle these situations, which is once people leave and they've gone through your programs and they leave prison, now they have to get employed. Yeah. And it feels like there's every obstacle in their way yeah. for employment. One of the questions on every single employment application, have you ever been convicted of a felony? Mm -hmm. People who are in prison have been convicted of a felony. <laughs> so do you pay the price for the rest of your life? Right. Do you pay the price for the time that you're in prison? And then now you have an opportunity to work. And it seems like there's not a lot of opportunity to work, which is why I think the recidivism rate is so high. Yeah. Like people are blocked from the opportunity to be reintegrated back into society. Uh, can you speak to that for a minute? Yeah, definitely. I could I could speak a lot of minutes on that. Yeah, I, you can. <laughs> I, I can. Yeah, you're 100 percent right in. It's one of the things that I'm incredibly passionate about. I tell people all the time that we're all doing we're all doing time. Um, I meet I meet guys and gals every day who who are in an unhappy relationship, unhappy marriage, unhappy work environment. Those people to me are still doing time. Um, it, just because they're on this side of the fence, I don't think that it's any less significant. But I will tell you that the barriers of the individuals who come out of prison are gigantic. The stigma behind it. And so one of the things that, that, that I'm most proud of is in our course, we teach people the job skills, the, the hard skills of what do I say when I have to go and list on a resume like you spoke about where I was for the last one, two, three, four, five years. And the most important thing to me to teach these guys and gals is to control the narrative, constantly control the narrative. When you can sit across from an employer and you could say to them, these are the things that I've learned over the last one or two or three years while I was inside. I'm, I'm not going to give you a sob story on why I was placed there. I'm going to take full ownership, extreme ownership and accountability. It's the only thing you'll ever get from me. And I promise you there will be no harder worker in the room. And I promise you that whatever you ask me to do, you, I will do. And I promise you that you'll have my word on a daily basis. And if you give me an opportunity, here's the things that I can guarantee you will happen. Controlling that narrative to an employer is so significant and changes the dynamic of that employer-employee relationship so quickly because very few people are, are coming in to a job, to a job in, and looking at it as a must. Mm -hmm. And I, 
I don't want to say that without context. I don't want that sound bite to be heard negatively by any of those that are out there taking away from anything that's going on right now in the environment. But what I can tell you is this, when a guy or a girl comes out of incarceration and they have a purpose or a plan or a passion attached to themselves, they are literally nine times less likely to go back to prison than if they were just to come out and have the quote unquote resources from the system, city, state, federal, et cetera. <clears throat> and so I believe that obtaining employment that gives you purpose on a daily basis is the most important thing to an individual coming outside. Most of them are males. Most of them like you and I have families and, and consider ourselves providers. That's, that's our DNA makeup. We want to provide, we want to provide for our spouses. We want to provide for our, our, our little ones. And when you can do that and you can do that with pride, it offsets all of the other garbage that you're going to have to go through. The, the checking in with the, with the parole or the probation, the living in the terrible conditions because it might be a transitional or a halfway house. Yeah. Um, I, I can tell you this from firsthand knowledge. Um, there's a gentleman right now who was released on a halfway house during the COVID pandemic uh, here in Southern California and is in the pro in right this second, you know what he did with his stimulus check, Rick? You know what he did? What? He bought the NASM course. No way. I promise you, I'll introduce you to this gentleman. This just came to my oh mind. Oh my goodness. He, wow. he is, he is recording himself with his ankle monitor on in his room. Get out. I, I promise you, these stories to me are why I go back inside. Like hey, you tell me, you tell me any individuals that that are interested in doing this that are coming out through NASM, connect them to me, connect them to us. We're gonna make sure that we get them the absolute best deal possible on this. That would be incredible. I'm telling you, I would I would love that because I can take this, I, I can take that offer to hundreds of thousands of individuals who are dying to know more about the fitness space. Wow. And, and we know that NASM is the, is the top of the top. It's the cream of the crop. And sometimes, you know, you pay a little bit more for a Maserati right. uh, and, and, and rightfully so. But in my opinion, one of the greatest opportunities is being able to connect these folks with guys like yourself, with, with organizations like NASM, where we can give them a purpose while they're inside. They can accept the literature, it's allowed. They can get themselves ingrained in the knowledge, the understanding, the, the self-confidence that's needed on the side of, the, uh, on the side of what NASM does. <clears throat> Our side will be able to prepare them for how do I speak to an employer? What do I wear when I show up? And really take these folks from start to finish and give them a beautiful life doing what they love, helping other people feel and look better. Oh man, that's Nothing, fantastic. It's, it's incredible, it's incredible. It's a great story and what you do is so important to so many people. Um, and with this said, I wanna, I wanna shout out, I wanna take an opportunity to shout out a couple businesses. There's a guy who owns Gotham Gym here in New York. He's got two people that had worked for him that were incarcerated. And he said they're the absolute hardest workers in the room, that he's never had anybody that worked harder and even told one of the guys, he goes, I'm never gonna hire another person who hasn't been to prison. You guys crush it, you crush it. So 
Uh, he, it, it, somebody who gave people an opportunity. And with that being said, I can not even have this conversation without shouting out another person in New York City, whom I'm pretty sure you know is Cos Marte and Conbody. Yeah. And what he did is he took his entrepreneurial mind and said, this is what I did in the prison. I'm going to create a boutique fitness facility called Con Body, and you're going to do prison-style workouts. Mm -hmm. And he only hires people who were formerly incarcerated to yeah. teach those courses, and he gives those people jobs, and he gives them a livelihood, yeah. and people from all over. I mean, socioeconomic statuses at the highest level are still showing up to these classes. And it's not like, I'm not going to those classes. Like It is the class to go to in New York yeah. City. So shout out to Kaz and oh. the work he's been doing and to the folks at Gotham and other fitness people, fitness um, business owners who are allowing people who are formerly incarcerated to get an opportunity to, to make a living and to live their life and to share, in many instances, gifts yeah. that have been locked away for years that now it's an opportunity to see. And some of these guys, they're hard, I'm telling you, the hardest workers in the room. Mm -hmm. And I know, I know one person who is now currently teaching at NYU, who was a fitness professional, shared his story with me, and is now a professor at one of the most prestigious colleges in the country. And, um, That's you know, these, these people are, uh, many of these people are incredible and that's yeah. the thing. They just don't get the time of day and, and you are not even waiting for them to come out to give them the time of day. You are inside showing them, helping them, supporting them. Yeah. So shout out to you cause like what you're doing and, and how you're supporting people. Every person's still a person. And uh, I appreciate what you do so much. I appreciate that so much. No, it's the, my greatest days um, are, are when I have the opportunity to hear the, what I call ripples from heaven. You know, um, I have individuals who, when I go inside and I speak, you know, some of them have emceed my, my speaking presentations in, in prison. And for them to reach out to me on Instagram a year or two years or three years later, and say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I took from your courses. To send me videos of them and their families, and say, here's the oh. here's the small business that we started, um, bro. I mean, honestly, it just brings you tears tears to your eyes. It's it, that to me is what life is is all meant to be about. And and I think mm. I I'll, I'll definitely put this plug in to to bring it full circle from when I where I started is the best personal trainers and the best gym owners. They can't fake care that's right and that to me is what i think separates good from great um a lot of very good personal trainers a lot of very good companies out there will never reach great status um, because of the level of compassion that they will give back to each and every human um, and so i think that is some of the the difference makers of what makes you a great personal trainer and a great business owner i agree with that 100 percent uh, I also want to point out one more thing is that the people that are signing up for your courses while they're incarcerated, uh, some of them have zero hope to ever leave those doors. Yes, sir. Some of them are lifers and they are still 
signing up to take these courses? What's the, what's the thought process behind that? Yeah. Um, my thought process was fair, fairly bullish eight years ago. I went, I went in and I talked to a, an assistant deputy warden, uh, first time in, you know, they put the stab vest on me, um, and said, you know, you realize this is a level four yard 180. You know, these guys are lifers. They're never getting out. Um, and I said, we have one of two options. We can go inside, we can educate them, um, or they can continue to kill each other every day. Um, if they wake up every day with a purpose, I believe that we can change some of the dynamics on this yard, some of the dynamics in the world, some of the dynamics in the community. Yeah. If you woke up every day and just tried to win the day, I don't think that you have to move mountains on a daily basis. I think you just have to win the day, uh, do the right thing, treat people nicely. So that was where it started, to be honest. It started on a lifer yard. My my very first course started on a lifer yard. Wow. And I, I did a 12-week course, and at the end of the 12-week course, uh, we brought in some of their friends and family members so that they could watch them graduate. And I, it was it was the most emotional experience, other than you know the birth of my children, you know, uh, in in my professional career. I had siblings and and parents coming up to me, saying, you know, you're you're the only person, you're the only organization, you know, that would spend time on an individual who who's never getting out. And to me, it wasn't about whether or not I could hang hang my hat on what they did if they got out or what they did when they got out, but what they could accomplish while they were inside. Yeah. And what I realized is it, it was never a lack of resources. It was just a lack of resourcefulness. And when when we were able to take these individuals and and give them a purpose, Rick, I'll tell you what, and I'll tell this to the community, like, and, and I'm sure some of you you out there having been through a pandemic, when you're at your low and you can only look up, when when you really understand that the day that you were born and the day that you found out your purpose, those two days being incredibly important in your life, when you really look at yourself and go, I am going to die. What do I want to remember? What do I want my legacy to be? Mm. Am I worried about whether or not this individual can return the ROI financially? And, and for me, that was the biggest game changer in my life. I wanted to make sure that the ROI was the human capital. And luckily, knock on wood somewhere, you know, the financial capital has followed. So um, our courses, uh, even to this very day, are held on 13 different lifer yards. And some of our facilitators, this is, this is even more magical, some of our facilitators pre-COVID who went inside prison to deliver the uh, education courses were lifers themselves. Hmm. So, uh, pretty incredible. I, I actually have Amazing. individuals who received uh, life sentences and one that received a double life sentence. Um, and now they're out, you know, flourishing, understanding their credit score, building businesses wow. and going back inside. You want to talk about a powerful moment. I mean, to go back inside and look face to face to people and say, I was here, I was in your cell, I was in your shoes. And, and this is what I've been able to do. There's no more street credit than that. Is that what that shirt is then the one that you're wearing? Yes, sir. Tell them what it says. I, I am a comeback folks. Yeah. I am a comeback. Yes. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Dude, thank you so much for sharing your story, Travis. I appreciate it. And uh, everybody who made it to the end of this particular episode, because you're like, you tricked me. You started off with 
fitness entrepreneurship, and then it became a prison episode. Um, I got to be honest. I wanted to have you on because the prison stuff. And I was like, well, let's, let's pepper in some fitness stuff in the beginning so that it fits more in alignment with um, the branding of the podcast. But this is huge what you do, man. It's absolutely remarkable. And shout out to, to you and the folks at Accomplished Ventures and what you're doing to help change the lives um, in the fitness industry and yeah. within the prison systems. Uh, tell tell people, how, how can they find you? If they want to reach out to you, what's one of the best ways? What are the best ways they can find you? Yeah, directly. Um, you can reach me at Travis at accomplishedventures.org. Um, accomplishedventures.org is our website. Um, and you'll be able to find our phone number and our address in Los Angeles on the website as well. So um, on Instagram, at I am Travis Ritchie, if you are on social media. Um, but you know, to, to bring what Rick said full circle, uh, any and all fitness entrepreneurs, we hope that, you know, we've given you a little bit of information and a platform of positivity um, for a couple of guys who have just tried to figure it out as life has thrown us curveballs. Um, you know, entrepreneurship is is the ultimate figuring it out. Yeah. And, and so right we, we hope that. that, you know, we've inspired you a little bit to go out and pursue your dream to live a little bit bigger. That's right. And learn a little bit about business before you go jump into that deep pool because it's deep and it's hard to swim. So uh, upstream. That's right. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, Everybody, thank you so much. I appreciate it. If you all have questions for me, you can hit me up rick.richie at nasn.org or I'm most active on Instagram at dr.rickrichie. Uh, again, you made it to the end of the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. Travis, thank you for being on. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.